and welcome to the Victory Devotional Podcast. We invite you to take the next few minutes to connect with God, hear His voice, and respond in worship and prayer. Here's today's message. Good day. For today's devotion, let me read Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 to 15. The Word of God says, And they heard the sound of the Lord, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord said, the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above, above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the word of God. You see, the verse that we just read or we just heard is actually a sad verse. The background of that is, the, is that Adam and Eve has re, have rebelled against God. They made themselves to be like God. And because of that, darkness and sin have entered humanity. Some people call this the fall of mankind, that historic moment that we made a stand to go against God's word. It is a very dark and sad time. But even in the darkest part of the night, the stars shine. Even in the darkness, we can still see the light. And in the darkness of this fall, we can still see the light of God. What can we learn about God? I want to share five things about God from this account. The first one being, we get to see God as a sovereign God. Sovereign God. Despite the gravity and the sad reality of this moment, the fall of mankind, how did God respond? In verse 8, it says there that the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. See, if something got broken, I wouldn't be cool about it. And who among you here, you've experienced that? May nabasag ka, whether it's a furniture or a, a window or you broke something or you accidentally um, uh, destroyed something. Isn't it true? Our initial response is panic. Ah, uh, We would be stressed out. We will be worried. <laughs> you see, this is probably one of those times wherein it will produce panic. If I, if I was God, I would definitely panic. But good thing, I'm not God. And God is not like me. God is sovereign. God is in control. In the midst of the seriousness of this moment, God was walking, not ran, running frantically. He was walking in the cool of the day. God is in control. 
there is nothing that can shake God. This was God's action. I just want to minister to us. Maybe for some of us here, we feel like we've done something wrong and it feels irredeemable, irreconcilable. It feels like, oh, if only people will know. But God is not surprised. He is sovereign. He is in control. There is not a situation wherein God is not controlled. Now, this is God's action, or this was God's action. He was walking in the cool of the day. But what about what he said? And that's the next thing, actually, we can see, or we can know about God. We see that God is a seeking God. God is a sovereign God, but God is also a seeking God. Notice the words God used to Adam and Eve. He said, where are you? Who told you? Have you eaten? What is it that you have done? Everything that God said to Adam and Eve in this account were all questions. Why? Uh, did God ask because He doesn't know? So, did God ask this because He doesn't know what happened? But we just said He's sovereign. <laughs> did God ask because He was left in the dark? In chapter 3, actually, we see the first time a question appears in the whole of Scripture. And sadly, it came from the mouth of the serpent. In chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? This is the first time that a question was made in the Bible. And the first time carries uh, importance in it. In these verses, also a couple of verses, now it's, it's the first time that we hear God ask a question. Two different questions from two different people with two different motivations, with two different natures, gave a question. The serpent asked a question, but its intention is to sow unbelief and doubts to God's creation. But when God asked these questions, He asked a question or those questions to draw them out to bring them close to Him. Questions can be used to sow unbelief or doubts, but it can also be used to draw a person close. What do I mean? When, when we, if you have kids, you would ask them, what happened? Oh, tell us, oh, did, did something happen to you? How was school? Uh, what, are your, what are you feeling right now? When we ask those questions, we invite the other person to verbalize, to open up. God was making this gesture. He's inviting mankind who has done something wrong to draw close to Him. God asked not because He does not know, but because He wants to draw mankind back to Him despite their sins. And you know, sadly, after much blame shifting, no one said sorry. Sorry. And then after all those things, God finally speaks. And as He speaks, we see that He is a just God. He is a sovereign God. He is a seeking God. But He is also a just God. When it comes to the serpent, God said in verse 14, Because you have, uh, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, and then God pronounces His judgment. And then to the woman, and God said to the, the, 
and the Lord said to, to Adam and the Lord said to Eve. God has a word for Eve and Adam. God pronounces His judgment to Adam and Eve and the serpent. See, justice means being held accountable as well. And God was holding them accountable to their actions. God pronounced judgment to, say, to, to the serpent, to man and the woman. And the reason why God is just or God's justice is seen here is because God is a holy God. God is a sovereign God. He is a seeking God. He is a just God. And He is also a holy God. Genesis chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. It says here, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of, from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he, has, he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. His holiness means he is utterly different, perfect in every way. Sin cannot coexist with God. And because of their sin, God has driven them away. And the same thing, same thing with regards to us. Our iniquities have separated us from God. Now, this may sound so harsh when I was reflecting upon this. God has sent them away. God drove them out. Could you imagine that? God has sent these sinners away from Him. And they, He even put an angel to stop them from coming, a cherubim. And this is the gravity of sin. It causes separation from our relationships and much more with our relationship with God. You see, that's what sin does. It causes separation. You know, you may be someone right now listening and you have a workmate or a family member, maybe your children, maybe your spouse who's literally next to you, like arm's length. But because there was something done by you or by the other person to you, there's sin, even though you're physically near each other, there is this gap. There is this separation. Sin causes separation. Sin separates us from God. Now notice also that throughout Genesis 3 onwards, as I've said, no one said sorry. No one tried to reconcile themselves to God. Yeah, sure, they covered themselves up, but to hide their shame, but not to ask sorry from God. Even with that, it still sounds harsh. It sounds like, you know, God here looks like, at first observation, He looks like how man will respond if something was done against him or her. What do I mean? Diba totoo, pag tayo nasaktan, when someone did something bad to us, there's hurt and there's pain, and on top of that, they didn't ask, Forgiveness, so hindi sila nag-sorry. Anong ginagawa natin? Isn't it true we, we, we try to avoid them or we try to distance ourselves from them? Now, does it look like God is acting like a man here? You know, like how we react when someone hurts us? But you know what? God is not a man that He should lie. He's not a son of man that He should change His mind. When we say holy... Yes, it means perfect. Yes, it means glorious. Yes, it means weighty and uh, uh, important. But it also means being utterly different. Part of God's holiness, His very being, is the absence of sin. Yes, but it's also handling things differently. 
God is holy in the way He handles man's sin differently from how we will handle sin if it was done to us. He didn't let them stay away and fall to sin and death because God is, yes, a holy God, but He is also a saving God. He is a sovereign God. He is a seeking God. He is a just God. He is a holy God. And He is also a saving God. Remember, the very first words from God's mouth after Adam and Eve rebelled against Him, God asked questions to draw them to Him. Then He pronounces judgment to the serpent. Then He makes a promise to crush this serpent, this evil one, this devil. And then in verses 14 to 15, this is what God said to the serpent, serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your heel. Uh, you shall bru he shall bruise your head rather and you shall bruise his heel. God will use even broken humanity to crush this enemy. God pronounces a judgment. God will save humanity. He is going to do it inside. He promises something. He promised that a seed, a descendant, an offspring from this woman will one day defeat him. And this seed will crush this serpent's head. But God also mentions here that this serpent will put up a fight. And this serpent's best effort, yung best effort niya, will only bruise or poison this man's heel. At the end, it will also lead to death. Then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it says here, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then God kills an animal to cover their, their shame. So if we put them all together, this whole thought, this whole picture about a sovereign God seeking sinners, asking questions, drawing them close to Him, judging the enemy, promising someone who will come into their line to save humanity, destroying the enemy, and at the same time experiencing death. And this death, along with that animal's death, that will cover their shame so that they will, they will be brought back to God. All of this is, has been called the Proto-Evangelium, the first preaching of the Gospel. And the sovereign God seeking sinners, God promising salvation by destroying the enemy at the cost of His Savior's life. A life being offered to cover the sin and shame of all mankind so that they could be restored. All these things point to the greatest miracle of all, and that's Jesus. Eve's offspring came here, bruised by the serpent, killed and died. But in His resurrection, He has crushed His head and through His blood has washed away our sins, removed our shame. Jesus saves us and has restored our relationship with God because Jesus paid the price. One day, we will be restored to His garden and enjoy fully His presence. Let me pray for us here. Maybe for some of you here, this is, um, this is the gospel. God seeking sinners, saving us, not because of our works, but because of His uh, goodness and grace. 
you need to give your life to Christ. If that's you, pray this with me. Lord, I surrender to you. I am sorry for my sins. I trust your sovereignty. Change my heart. Let people come into my life and help me to know you more. In Jesus' name. Second group of people that I'd like to pray for is maybe for some of us here, you're having doubts about God's sovereignty. God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. In the worst possible situation, God is in control. God wants you to be reminded that He is in control. Lord, I pray for everyone who's watching. I pray that you will stir up faith in us to trust your sovereignty, to trust that you are at work. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who's, who heard this message. I pray that you would stir up faith in Jesus' name. Amen. You drive away our fears and give us courage. Empowered by your spirit, by your strength. Proclaim to every place that you have risen. We will obey. We won't delay. We will. kingdom reigns now every heart will sing your praise will be your hands and feet work all by your grace the world will know your name jesus you reign so every heart will sing your praise every Every heart will sing your praise. Thank you for joining us today. Let me pray for all of us here. Lord, bless us. May we be channels of salvation to our families, to our campuses, to our workplaces, in our businesses. I pray, God, that we will, when things get hard, we may learn how to trust your sovereignty. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this helps you build a habit of hearing from God daily. For more messages like these, follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to watch these messages live every morning, visit us on facebook.com slash victoryph.